Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third season of iWoofs with your hosts, Ian Dunbar, Kelly Dunbar, and me, Jamie Dunbar. Hi, so what's the topic for today, Kelly? Today we're talking about puppy class problems. Oh, goody. And it, the actual title... Well, not title, problems, but puppy class. The pro- it's, yeah, it's the title favorite. actually is Puppy Class Problems. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, that's a good one. Because a, a well-run... Puppy run... out with the... Uh, sorry. Okay, I'm just, I was Don't actually interrupt reading. Kelly. Kelly was actually talking A well-run run puppy class is worth its weight in gold, but a poor, poorly run one can do more harm than good. The Dunbars address common puppy class concerns. That's us. And now we shall address. Address away. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I guess uh, puppy classes. The what is the aim of a puppy class? Number one, and 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 what are the the biggest mistakes that people make? Because there's really good puppy classes around, and there's not so good puppy classes around. So the most important thing about a puppy class is we are training puppies. Yes, and by that I mean it's not an adolescent or adult dog class where we have to have the dogs on leash for one, two, three, four weeks, maybe for the whole class. It takes just one dog that's dog-dog aggressive or dog-human aggressive, and you've, you've ruined the whole class. The wonderful thing about puppies, you can bring them in, and you can just let them off leash with impunity, and there's, there's with virtually no danger whatsoever. I mean, obviously, nothing is risk-free, but... I've never had a puppy injured in, in nearly 30 years now of doing it. The injuries have been so minor, and most of them were caused by people treading on the puppy or mm. pushing a table over on it. So the first thing is you can let puppies off leash, and this means we can accomplish so much so fast. Bite inhibition. So how, did, yeah, how does thing. this differ from a traditional class? This is not just puppies under six months of age going in and trotting in a circle learning to heal. No, yeah, the, a traditional class, you, you, you go in to learn manners. And because the dogs are uh, more than six months old, we, it has to be done on leash until, until you're absolutely certain that all of the dogs are friendly with other dogs and people. Um, and if the dog had a behavior problem... Um, it would probably be a private consultation. If it had a temperament problem, it would definitely be a private consultation. Whereas in a puppy class, you're doing everything. Mm-hmm. You are molding its temperament, you're changing its behavior, and because it's so easy, you're teaching manners. But the, the thing that shouldn't be missed, this is the most important thing, is because we can let puppies off leash safely, we should let them off leash, and 55 minutes of the class, they should be off leash. Because then they can learn so much, and because that's how they live with people at home. There is no point in bringing in a leash in a puppy class unless you're teaching leash training. To put a leash on as a management tool is just too silly for words. What you've done now is slowed down training in for young, the young puppies. Sa- young, you always young have puppies. to think of safety. Yeah. I think young um, Well, let's define that. So first week at class, <laughs> you get your chance a moment, Jane. First week in class... They must be less than 18 weeks old. Absolute. And the younger, the better. The younger, the better. After 18 weeks, what happens? Between 18 weeks, they change from puppies to adolescents virtually within 10 days. And they can start hurting. Now they can hurt. Now they have the jaws where they can hurt another puppy. And they become more confident with each week of age, generally speaking, which means more independent. They become stronger, more confident. The play styles get tougher. 
They get so, distracted more easily. They can make poor choices. A puppy, young puppy is going to follow you around and, and stick with you out of, you know, for safety's mm-hmm. sake. And an adolescent might run off chasing a squirrel or, or you know, see somebody across the street and want to investigate. So it's less dangerous. than 18 weeks is absolute, absolute, no exceptions. The younger than better, it, it's debatable. There's pros and cons. Yes, we want to get the puppers in pretty young. But for some breeds, I would say, no, I don't want you in when you're less than three months old. Like uh, the slow developing dogs like Rotters and Nufus. I see where you're going with this already, but I want to stop you here because... <laughs> you can't stop me if I haven't let them know what okay. I'm talking about. You talk the fact that you know what I'm going to talk Preemptively about. Preemptively stopping. It's a good point. That's preempting stopping. Okay, why do you want a slow developing breed in longer uh, later in puppyhood? Um, I think there is so much people have to do at home between 8 weeks and 12 weeks and I like them to concentrate on home training first so at least they have a dog that works fine at and home. And continuing socialization. At, yes, and I was just going to continue and say that before you stop me again. So we have the behavior training, the house training, tutor training and, and teaching them not to bark, then socializing them at home. Family and friends first. Family, friends, neighbors, all coming to the house, leaving their outdoor shoes outside. Now you can safely socialize the puppy to the people he's likely to meet in his lifetime. It's going to be 90% and, of his yeah. socialization. Yeah, and, and I think we want people. to get that done first. Then we go to puppy class to learn bite inhibition, social, continuing socialization um, with people and starting, restarting socialization with dogs. Um, if we, say, have a puppy class 8 weeks to 18 weeks, you could have a big mismatch there if you had an eight week old, 18-week-old Malamute and an 8-week-old Yorkie. It's a huge mismatch, but I, I prefer the range 12 to 18. 10 to 18 is okay. 8 to 18 is okay, but now you've really got to look after these little puppies because we don't want to split the classes up into little puppy classes. It's, it's, it's crazy because it sets up this puppy for a disaster when he's an adult. Well, the younger they are, the, the more integratable, if you will, yes. are all the different breeds are. I, what about the idea of starting puppies young? Perhaps, I'm just throwing this out there, we never talked about this, so who knows where it'll go. Uh, I just don't want to argue on the air. <laughs> ending it, ending <laughs> you know, maybe saying puppies uh, in a puppy one are eight to 16 weeks, and then no, our puppy classes are no longer six weeks of, uh, long. We now have the part one, part two that makes sure... You know, so they run for 12 weeks. So yeah. we have 12 weeks to work with the dog, which takes it, you into the beginning of adolescence. So perhaps that's something that... Because I, I do think it's easier to integrate the dif- the breed differences, not only in size but in personality, when they're super young. As you, I have been the instructor in a class where you've got the questionably five, you know, f- you know, four and a half month old um, bully breed and the itty bitty Maltese puppies, and it's 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 rough. You know, you don't get the the same kind of interaction. That you would yeah, have. no, I, I think we could talk about this for for a long time. And so, if we let, let's list the absolutes. Number one, eighteen weeks is the absolute cutoff, um, where the youngest age is. I think up to debate. It should be off leash the entire time. To have puppies in a puppy class and to have them on leash is just wasted. Bite inhibition training time, socialization training time, and training Unless time. you're working directly in leash manners, which you yeah. should start. And then the third absolute, puppies of all sizes, shapes, and breeds. And the importance here is that whereas there are short-term benefits, say, to having a small breed class, what it does is it teaches the puppies to be like um, big fish in a little pond. And if they are a little uppity when they go out in the real world, um, it could be put down. 
But the, the other bad thing is something it doesn't do. It does not socialize little dogs to big dogs. And now when we go out in the big wide world, maybe on leash or off, if a little dog is scared of a big dog, he is going to be attacked. He looks like there, prey. There is no other stimulus that will set off a dog than a little dog that's scared and running away, and, and especially if he's squeaking. Especially if that big dog hasn't been socialized to little dogs. A absolutely. And so always in a puppy class, I get the big dog owners to thank the little dog owners for coming because now they have the security of knowing that their big dogs are calm and safe around little dogs. Because it's seen little dogs be scared and run you away. got it. Yeah, and they got, over it. they got over right. it in the first week. They move differently. And then, and then I get the little dog owners to thank the big dog owners. To, thank you for building up the confidence of my little dog so I can walk him now and he, and he has confidence. Let's, let's just reiterate that this is puppy class. I don't see anything wrong with you know, a basic adult class for small dogs because there are different handling. Oh, no. You know, I mean, small dogs are We're doing different things. When you're teaching manners, you can set the class up how you like. You can have, a, class, you can have a one-topic class where we're only teaching sit stays or healing. Um, you could have a German Shepherd only class, which are actually quite common. The, the breed training classes. The most is the moment you separate but the puppies, you're, you're starting problems. You're going to have it's already problems. A red, it's a huge red flag at that yeah. point that there's already yeah. remedial socialization issues happening. We have um, we have a couple questions for this episode, and one of them is one is of that them. Your telephone going off, it's Kelly. Silent. So hold um, the question for a bit. Okay. The, before we get into the questions... Well, I think we, we actually... I, I was trying to chime in earlier with the questions because yes, we were already talking so. about the answers to the questions. But yeah. we weren't entirely... No, no, no. We, the, the questions are questions. I disagree. These <laughs> questions are not questions. <laughs> then what are the questions, Jane? Okay, well, I just... I, I was trying to get these in a little earlier because we're, we're touching on them. We're, we're swimming around them this whole time. I was, I was just trying to be comprehensive and comprehensively lay out the topic. And then I thought the questions would refine the topic like a uh, sculpture. And yet these questions are, are not refined. Anyways, let's, enough talking about them. Let's just get them out there. Yeah, let's have some questions. All right. So this one, this more broader one, which we've been all over, is puppy class makes my pup a little crazy. I want him to be calm and listen to me. He behaves better when we're at home. Is class doing more harm than good? Um, no, I don't think we've, we've broached this at all. The, 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 the puppy class has to be crazy. This is the thing that so many people just, just fail to get. That what owners want to learn is, how can I calm my puppy when he's crazy and distracted? You can't teach that in a class where all the puppies are on leash and every time they bark, ah, where it's calm. So at home, yes, we hope that the dog has settled down nicely with his stuffed chew toy. The question is, what happens when the doorbell rings and right at the front door are six children dressed up in Halloween costumes? Your dog is going to do moon loops. He's going to go crazy and we can't calm him down. Why not? We've never practiced calming him down. So the whole point about a puppy class in terms of the manners, so this is a very tertiary point, Puppy class is about allowing the puppies to develop bite inhibition and allowing them to socialize with other people and secondarily with other dogs. The tertiary reason now is teaching manners, but giving them the skill of teaching the dog to pay attention when the dog is crazy and distracted. So it's why puppy classes are intentionally like a carnival. It has a circus atmosphere. There's, everyone's running around, not just the puppies, but the people too. And the, the, this is it's the number one manner skill that people want. 
And, you know, it, it may appear when they go to a class, oh, it's all calm, why? Because they're only letting two puppies off at a time, off leash, and they don't get a big play session anyway. The owners aren't learning what they need. Right, so that's what I was, that's what I was trying to interject, is when you're talking about how the most important fundamental, or the, one of the absolutes of puppy classes, is that the puppies should be off leash. And I think kind of this question is, is demonstrating how that's, the point. The puppy class is supposed to be crazy. Your puppy's supposed to be behaving better in a controlled environment at home in your living room, and it's supposed to be challenging when you're at puppy class and you're trying to get its attention and everyone's running around and rolling over each other, and that's a good thing. Yes, and once you now can get a dog in the middle of a play session to say, lie down, stay, wow, it's, that's the hardest time and place you're ever going to do that. Now you'll be able to get the dog to calm down, to sit, to come, to, to walk by your side in almost any other situation because there is nothing as crazy as the puppy class. Okay, so that's I, what we're trying to give to people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate here just because I, I can hear the questions or, or the, you know, out there in... in out there You're channeling the yes. listeners' questions? Me too, but I was just going to answer them without the questions being asked. Yes. Well, anyway, be the devil's advocate. No, uh, okay, so granted, yes, of course it's important for the puppies to learn to to behave regardless of distractions, to pay attention and focus regardless of distractions. However, when learning a new skill, is that not the best scenario? You know, I mean, there's the perfect scenario, the quiet, focused foundation skill that you're learning a new, I mean, you don't, you don't teach um, a new child or anybody to play football by putting them into an NFL game. The first day, Let's you know, I mean, I'm yeah. just you know, we've got to talk about right. I think what kind of learning takes place where, it, it, and absolutely. what the actual role of the puppy so class is in that sense. If we go back again and say we want the puppy class to be off leash the entire time, here are the big dangers that happen: that um, it's a total zoo the whole time with no control. No, that's bad. All you're producing there is a social loon. A dog now that would rather play than listen to his owner. At least you have bite inhibition and you a well socialized dog. Yeah, you got a well socialized no dog. <laughs> and, and these are priorities. Yeah, that's a good and thing. The deal is, you see, manners you can teach at any time in a dog's life, but the bite inhibition and the socialization, we've got to do it as puppies. And you said this already, it's tertiary stuff that they're yeah. learning. And, and it is, it's a temperament test, you see. And if a puppy is not involved in this play session, I think, oh, wow. He's not biting other puppies. He's developing no bite inhibition. If he bites someone when he's eight months old, he's going to sink his teeth and into also, their place. And also, why is he, is he uncomfortable with the other puppies? Yeah. This is the other thing. Yeah, he's people. fearful. Is it puppies is or people? Is antisocial? So it's a wonderful temperament test to work out, is your puppy going to become fearful? A huge mistake that people make in teaching a puppy class, they have a designated play session. So they will have on-leash time, training time, it's quiet, where the puppies learn stuff. Then they have a play session, which is out of control. And what happens here is the puppy, you're just presenting the puppy with a choice. What would you rather do? A long, boring, calm exercise, or go crazy with other puppies? So it, it makes the puppies crazy, so that now play becomes a distraction Mutually to training. Exclusive. Yeah. So what you've got to do in a puppy class is, they're off-leash for 55 minutes, they're playing all of the time, but short training interludes interrupt the play session every 30 seconds. So that means a hundred times in a class, say, the owners learn to change the puppy from play mode into training mode. Now, settling him down is the hard bit, but once they've got him settled down, they now, we have a quiet moment where we can focus on the puppy and teach him this is a good training 
something. He's calm now. So then we will teach him, oh, now we're going to teach roll over, maybe. He knows he's sit down and stand. So now we'll introduce a new exercise. Or we'll play past the puppy. We'll do the handling exercises. And we only do it for, it could be 10 seconds, or for the handling exercises, one or two minutes. Then they play again. Then you stop the play. Then you teach them something. Then it's play again. And, and, and the vital skills that they're learning here, we're trying to maximize the training time, but maximize the play time, but we're trying to turn the play into a reward for training. It seems like what you're trying to maximize is the transitions between, yes. or the, the crossover, the, the overlap. There's two yes, transitions. The no, there's two transitions, and the one transition is changing the puppy from play mode to training mode, that's what the owners must have. So they can control their dog if ever he goes crazy at home or when they're walking him on leash. But the next transition is the biggie from training mode to play mode. By it's the biggie because you can't do the other one without it. It's the, the yin and the, the yang. The bit, it's the yin and the yang, but it's the biggie because when you say to a puppy that's in a nice downstay or he's cradled in your arms doing some handle exercise, you say, good puppy, go play. See, every time you stop play, you can give it to the puppy as a reward oh, it's the biggie for training. As a big reward. Yeah, it's right. a huge life reward. And, and this is what we must do in puppy and adolescent training always. Whatever the distraction to training is, we must turn it into a reward that we can use. Whether it's playing with other puppies, running away from you and you have to chase him, jumping up, pulling on leash. We have to put these things on cue so that we can then use them as rewards in training. I think, um, yeah, I, I think that's definitely the case. I think also that Kelly had a good point in terms of, you know, it's good to have puppy classes be crazy and it's good to have these challenges, but it's also true that you can present your puppy with too many challenges. And dog, train is, dog training is constantly kind of walking the edge of that cliff of, of pushing and challenging but always being successful and being positive. You and want to so, be you want to challenge them to the to the extent that they can handle right. bring that right up to the edge without going over that edge. Um you, you do want to set them up for success and not failure. It's true. And so if you're in puppy class and you're trying to work on your off leash recalls and it's you're never you never have any success, then your puppy isn't going to learn anything. Now, what's, what's the percentage rate that you want that was, that for the best amount of learning? Because you do need a certain amount of mistakes in learning in order to... Oh, is, no, is absolutely. It, what, what is it? No, something... it? It's a great myth in training at the moment that dogs learn only from getting it right. No, 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 no. Dogs learn an awful lot from the consequences of them not coming up to par. Maybe so, what, for example, 80%? I think it is eighty percent, right? Yeah, I, I think like five, five, it's a that. five to one ratio. Yeah, that twenty percent of the time, I actually want the dog to get it wrong. That would be four to one. That would be four to one. You're right, Jamie. Thank you. No numbers. That's, that's why numbers you went can to only college. hurt you. Try <laughs> yeah. to count them. Uh, but but you're right. If, if you're having no success or you're getting right. frustrated, then it is time to take a step back and 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 make the exercise somehow simpler. Is it too distracting? Is the duration of your stay too long? You know, what in the environment can you change to set the you and your puppy up for success? That's always something you that you're see, going to have to bring into the mix, regardless of the training situation. Whenever you're training a dog to do anything, I always like to get owners to work in two training scenarios. The best possible scenario, the worst possible scenario. But there's mm -hmm. lots of scenarios they, in between they, as well. 
that comes together afterwards. Yes, stop naming those scenarios, Kelly. So we, we have all this stuff on Dogstar, which tells you how to train the dog at home, in the bathroom, shut the door, it's you and your puppy, best possible training scenario, no distractions, practice a three-minute downstay. In the puppy class, this is meet the beast. This is the worst possible scenario you can imagine. Well, and yes, we've created it, because once you conquer this, once you get um, a, a distant sit or recall in the puppy class, now you've got it. At home, though, what you're doing there is you are now changing the scenarios. So once you can do it in the bathroom, you do it in the hallway, then in the kitchen, then in the whole of the house, then in your yard, then your yard with a dog. And you're gradually increasing the complexity of all the scenarios until you then approximate what happened in puppy classes. But you'll never get there. You, you, you will never have that environment again with an adolescent dog. The, the craziness that you had in the puppy class where, where you were successful at teaching the puppy to do these things. Also, always keeping in mind that that is the secondary goal, right? Because you are just trying to get the puppy to, to bite and play and have fun. Yeah, the, the, that's the tertiary goal. It's exactly what I was going to say, that monitoring the play session, always the primary goal is it's this ongoing temperament test. Are the puppies handling it? Are any puppies showing any sign of fearfulness? Because they shouldn't be. Stress, and aggression. If they, yeah, if they are, it's a huge red flag that basically an eight-week-old puppy should be afraid of nothing. If he then is main, if he's socialized at eight weeks, then we can take that eight week old socialized puppy and bring him into a socialization class. Then at 10 weeks, he's still afraid of nothing. And at 12 weeks and so on and so on. But what's happening, I just read a blog about this the other day. Someone got a puppy at 10 weeks old and it was afraid of everyone and everything. No, this is the dog. No, he should not go straight into a puppy class like this. He needs some remedial socialization first to catch up on what he totally missed when he was at the breeder's kennel. I mean, how can a puppy be scared at 10 weeks of age? It's, to me, it's, it, it's horrible. It's so cruel to the dogs and it's so cruel to the people because the puppy is so far behind now um, that it's going to take them months. It's going to be a project. So socialization is about continuing to socialize already socialized puppies and this is where looking at the play session you now look for do any puppies go over the top do they have over the top play styles are they bullying do any puppies act fearful and it's an immediate warning flag and it's got to be resolved that week because next week it'll be even harder to resolve and so that's where this crazy play session is so important with the children running and laughing and everyone talking. It's high-level stimulus, which for a socialized puppy is totally okay. But if that puppy is a teeny-weeny bit under-socialized, he's going to stick out like a sore thumb because he's going to be hiding under the chair. So you now know at 10 weeks, oh wow, look at this. We better do something really quickly this week to resolve this problem. Because if he's hiding under the chair at four months, you've got two months' work. Can if we he's talk hiding about, under the chair at six months, you've got a year to work with the dog. Can we talk a little bit about how puppy class is only one piece of the puzzle, too? And, Jamie, you have something oh, to yeah. add. Well, yeah, I was going to say that as well, that working in the serious offices, I think some of the, the funniest calls I overhear are when, when dog owners ask if we can guarantee that their puppy will be trained at the end of six weeks. <laughs> six and or 12 week session. Of course, the important thing to realize is that no matter how wonderful a puppy class is, it's one half of that spectrum. It's the crazy half. And to prepare your puppy for puppy class, you have to practice so much at home. And that in terms of maintaining that 80% of success, 20% of failure, 
you need to you know work on recalls in the bathroom. You need to work on recalls in your yard, so that when you do a recall at puppy class, you actually have a chance of succeeding. I'd say it's not even half. I, I'd say the puppy class, the weekly meeting of puppy class, is just a touchstone. A small, small thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a touchstone. It's a it's a weekly meeting where you gather information, you practice some of your skills, you work out some of the kinks, you have like minded people and a, and a leader and your and your instructor, but no class. It, 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 class alone doesn't teach you. It, it's like if you were going to take tennis lessons. You go once a week. You're practicing the mechanics of it. You're perhaps you know. Yeah, if you, I you've mean, got to practice. It's if you ongoing. had to choose between whether you were only going to train your dog at home or whether you were only going to train it once a week for twelve weeks at a class, then obviously it'd be better to only train it at oh, home. Oh, absolutely. It's going to spend ninety nine percent of its life at home. Yeah, I, I look on a puppy class as, as serving two huge main functions. One is it re-jumps the whole bite the bitch and learning stuff because most owners have read somewhere, don't let your puppy bite you, he's trying to dominate you or, or what have you. So they're going to bite more puppies in the other puppy class and fine-tune their bite the bitch. The second huge advantage of a puppy class is it enables you to perform a temperament test with a microscope. Because you have built up this crazy atmosphere, you will pick out any minor imperfection in this dog's temperament really early on. Um, we've got 24 people in the room. We've got 12 puppies in the room. You know, there's children, there's noise, there's music. You will pick out incipient fearfulness at home. They wouldn't notice this until the dog was two years old. And then that dog's going to have it for life. For life, every time someone comes to the house, they will put the dog away because he, he snaps at people who come. But we can tell the owner, hey, you know what? At 10 weeks of age, your puppy's going to bite someone when he's six months old. So, so that's why it's so valuable to me. It gives me that microscope to analyze the dog's temperament. And a minor problem is like someone screaming and, and waving a red flag. So yeah, I think that's, that's very important that you now have the knowledge that you're supposed to fix the socialization. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but maybe we can <laughs> give the people a, a couple of ideas. If you do take your puppy to puppy class and see that it, it is the one that's hiding under the chairs, what are the, quickly, the basic things Very that you quickly. need to do? What to you do that. is you take the dog's, dog's food bowl and you put it away. For the next few months, the dog will eat all of his food from the hands of people. You weigh out his kibble in the morning, kibble only. But will that help socialization and with dogs? Let's stick with the thing that's important, firstly. But yes, it will. Um, and firstly, the, the, the family members hand feed the dog. Then they invite friends around to hand feed the dog. Women first and then men. So the dog learns very quickly, I love people. When we go on walks with the dog's kibble, whenever he sees another dog, he gets a bit of kibble, classical conditioning. It's the number one most important thing to do. A single meal from a food bowl is an absolute waste of training rewards. So when you pick out these tiny problems in puppy class at 10 weeks, solve it within the next week. The longer you wait will add on months to the rehabilitation. Take those puppy flags Phew. seriously. Oh, sorry. You see problems? Take yeah. those red flags seriously, right. yes. Yeah, th and this enjoy. is the one-minute signal. This is the shush signal. Yeah, that's it's very similar. similar. <laughs> You've got to get your finger the right All right, around. well, that's all we have I think have we've got to say goodbye week. now, bye -bye. right? Yeah, goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. That's all for this episode of iWoofs. Thank you for listening.